Hi, and you're very welcome into Unleashed, the podcast platform from Leash Today, our no holds barred podcast on all the news and views that matter to the people of Leash. From politics to sport to news and entertainment, we'll be talking about it here on Unleashed. My name is Brian Moss, and joining us on this episode of Unleashed are a group of men who collectively became one of the most popular bands to come out of the Midlands. Amassing a legion of followers, the mere mortals played to thousands of fans over the years, playing in some of the biggest venues in the country. But the stories from behind the scenes are as original and entertaining as a band's much-loved music on stage. As always, we're recording our podcast in the beautiful surrounds of the Golden Egg Studios located just outside Port Leash. And if you are a band and a solo artist and want top-quality studio space right here in County Leash, check out sound engineer Supremo, Ollie Plunkett and the Golden Egg Studios at goldeneggstudios.com. And as his dad this week is in front of the mic as a member of the Mere Mortals, a special shout-out to Ruben Plunkett, who's engineering this episode of Unleashed. Unleashed is brought to you by our podcast partners, Finline Furniture. For nearly 40 years, Finline Furniture has been making the highest quality sofas and chairs in Emo. Finline have exported their products to over 50 countries, but you can visit their factory showrooms in Emo right here in the County of Leash. Okay, lads, we kick off. We've uh, three men and nearly four maybe in front of us that'll be very familiar to anyone who uh, went to bands in the mid-90s and noughties and maybe before that as well. Of course, we've Ollie Plunkett, our illustrious sound engineer with Paul Brophy, Paul Marin, and maybe Pat Critchley a little bit later on, collectively known, well, by several names. Amir Immortal is probably more famous, lads. You're all very welcome. It's great to have you in this, what is looks like a reunion, and uh, I don't know if it's a kind of a counselling session as well for what went on in the band years, but one of probably the most... I suppose followed bands to come out of the Midlands in the last maybe 20, 30 years, kind of locally. So, but I suppose we start when we're talking to bands, The Mere Mortals is a very unique name. But we'll start with you, Ollie. How did The Mere Mortals come about and give us the genesis of all this madness that ensued? Okay. You have a half Tough question. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Yeah. Okay, so I suppose um, how it all started originally, um, a group of us went to Spain and Hollis. And um, we bought, at the time I could play about badly, about two songs on guitar. <laughs> um, and we booked into a hotel over there and we told the manager of the hotel that we were, uh, we were in a band and we could play. So he uh, put up these posters in the hotel and we thought it was all just a bit of a laugh. But anyway, so we went down on the Friday evening. There was about three or four hundred people uh, lined up for this kind of Irish band. And at the time we had this name for a band called The Drownfish. Okay. So your man put it in Spanish and called it uh, Les Puerto Mescada or something like this line. Okay. So anyway, we proceeded. So I proceeded to play the first bit of a sound badly on the guitar. And that went down badly. And then <laughs> Pat Richley said uh, we couldn't play an instrument at the time. So I tried to do a solo. So he took out the hurling the ball. <laughs> so a solo. Yeah. A solo hurling solo. solo. Hurling. Yeah. So it actually happened anyway. It was, the end result was that Jermaine got fairly thick and uh, chased me up, uh, up, up uh, Not the shaft of the... What are they so I was hanging out there for about a half an hour trying to avoid it. <laughs> With Pat Critchie doing a solo. Doing Critchie, a, yeah, yeah. So, so the band started as a con, essentially. Yeah, yeah. A con, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, went on to, to huge things. So it was the, it was the drowning fish first. Yeah. It's what you were in Spain, Luscious. Now, how did... We'll go to the two Pauls here. With Paul brought in front of us. Paul... How did you end up uh, with this sorry bunch? What what was what was your kind of introduction to the to the scene? Uh, well, I could play guitar badly as well. <laughs> There's a common link, lads, about bad guitarists. <laughs> well, at yeah, least we could play something badly. The yeah, the boys could play nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh well, they can. A few of them could. Um, when the lads came back from Spain and they decided to get a group together, and Ollie asked me to join, and it was the best move I ever made. It was a great crack, and. Became the Mere Mortals shortly after they came back because a guy took an interest in managing us. You're not just ordinary guy, Chrissy Moore's manager, yeah, Matty Fox. Fox yeah. yeah, and 
and we had a couple of meetings with him and he wanted he's going down a more serious road and at that time there were a couple of bands around an emotional fish little fish to name two so he said there's too many fish around so <laughs> <laughs> to change the name so we came up with the mere mortals and that's mere where mortals. the mere came from i don't know who came up with it i think it was a it was a collective, a decision. collective decision and we must yeah. mention of course known to everyone really at least cheddar cheddar plunkett was uh, yeah was i suppose your paul mcginnis um and I, I skip if you can skip back and forward but your first yeah. gig tell us about your first gig that was because we reckon we're celebrating probably 30 years yeah, this year in around of, yeah. of, of all been together before so your first gig was fairly interesting oh yes yeah, so the first gig was official uh, gig from spain your first gig on our side yeah so the first gig we uh, well we, we had planned to um port leash were playing in a leinster hurling final against ratney i think um, the plan was that if they won the match that we do our first gig that night right in, no in, pressure in the ga yeah, no pressure. so um so what actually happened in the match, we were looking at the match and um, with, with full time up in the match, Portlaoise were winning by two points. So we all headed down to Lankins thinking that won the match and we we're celebrating down there and someone came in and said that Ratney were after getting a goal and we ended up losing by points. So we came back to Portlaoise and a good few kind of drinks were had a bit before it came to late in the night <laughs> right. and someone said it's bad for them now that the fact that they've lost the match they yeah. should go up and play. Looked so, like you were sulking. Exactly. Mm. So at the time there was just kind of a kind of a Cooper or some kind of a country Cooper western band, band yeah. that were there every night in the mm. G and uh, so um, they said we were good up so we got up and uh, our, so at this stage now we weren't in any way positioned to play any instrument. Okay? <laughs> so again we got up anyway and our drummer at the time uh kind of reveled in, in uh doing hawaii 5 right it was kind of bum, 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 bum. <laughs> so he was kind of flying at this anyway and we all had left at this stage because it was so bad we got off the stage yeah. we realized how bad things were but he kept going so the drummer from the other band came up and tipped uh dick on the, the shoulder and says uh, what's your name and uh dick says dick duff you know so dick thought he was going to say it's going to be signed drummer. yeah anyway, Man, use next beat if anybody <laughs> get off. Would you ever? <laughs> you and your way, yeah. Five get up. Interesting. I suppose every band needs a needs a vocalist, and that's uh, that's that's uh, the front man, Paul. Paul, of course, Martin, the front man. The only kind of awfully man to be brought into this world of. You should come up to that mic, Paul. You're not afraid of it at no, all. No, no, not at all. Uh, no. So how did an awfully man get involved with uh, a shower well, of niche I, lads? I, I suppose I was more a shouting and roaring man <laughs> than a vocalist, but. Uh, uh, I, uh, the way I got involved anyway was um, I suppose through Pat through Zoom yes and, uh, Pat Critchett by the Pat, way is Pat Zoom Pat, and we'll yeah, find yeah. out why he's called Zoom a little bit if he's actually arrived we're hoping to have Pat I suppose I knew Pat from being in college with him down in Limerick and, uh, and we did PE together and uh, I think Pat knew the lads very well he would have known Paul and Ollie and, and, and Chad as well and, uh, and I'm not sure about Dick and Des but I, I presume he would have known them growing up as well you know but um, Pat was telling me there was a bit of a band going, you know. So I, I was into music, yeah. You know, and there was always music in my family at home, and uh, my mother was a great woman on the piano, and uh, I suppose my grandfather played the fiddle and all sorts of stuff. And we he had a, a Stradivarius fiddle, which oh, we hey. discovered, uh, you know, only recently. Well, good manure, it was a fake, you know, all this time, <laughs> and he told us about this Strad that he had, you know. But listen, it was it was great. There were good times, and uh, so. Uh, we got together and, and I think we started practicing in, in Ollie's brother's house, uh, George, and uh, up in, in uh, not Ratneska, in Rativen. And uh, th- they were some of the best nights I had because I remember we were writing songs up there and we were practicing songs up there. 
I think the first song that we, we tried to put together was Stand By Me or something like that. Right. And the reasoning behind that was because it was the three-card trick. You right. Know? So okay, yeah. a lot of our songs de- depended <laughs> on being a three-card trick at the time, you know. Uh, I think we, we did graduate to four cards after uh, a while, ve- we? Well, there's always time, lads. There is yeah. always time. Uh, you were nearly arrested one night out here as well, for very early on, up, up in practice, and I believe, uh, Ollie, you may have... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's a few kind of... Um, we didn't realise this, but um, John Bowen, uh, who was who from Port Leash, Got in contact with a few of the uh, law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> the there was a racket going on yeah, in Rathaven, yeah. And he knew a few fellas, so he sent them down. Um, <laughs> well, to say that we had to stop the practice, and we fell for it. So <laughs> the instruments for a while. But you were just, real uh, punk rockers. You've yeah, been arrested yeah, early yeah, on. So anyway, they stopped us for a while, and then we found out it was all a, that was just a prank. So we, we went back out of the But she very quickly kind of. Like you were filling halls around the place, like you know we were all, you yeah. know you're being you're being a bit you know modest there now, lads, because anyone of a certain age listening to this podcast will have seen you around Midlands in Dublin. One thing I want to talk to you about, and there's so many stories, but to bag it in, I mean let's talk about that when you kind of got around because that's a huge, huge gig in Dublin. Still is. That's where you two would have played, and you don't get in there by you know being able to play two bad two songs badly. You obviously graduated playing six songs badly or something. Tell, <laughs> yeah. tell us about nights in the bag it in because buses from Leash used to. Go up with you kind of thing. Yeah, I suppose well, we were there every Thursday night for, um, I don't know, maybe six or seven months. But um, so um, I suppose initially we booked in and it went down well because obviously the promoters and some of these venues don't want to see the venue full. You know? Yeah, um, of course. So I suppose we, we filled the venue even though it was all, you know, exported <laughs> in from this. <laughs> uh, but I have to say there were great nights because, um, you know, like we, we it, it was a whole day involved. Um, so you kind of go there for the sound check and then you do the gig and then, like when you see everyone from that you know in front of you kind of going mad and like it's their excuse to have a great night yeah. as well on the bus and go home all together. So. We're off at the mirror. Yeah, like, but so it, there's a, like it was a great, great, great experience. And then like some of them, um, some of the gigs were, they were kind of memorable in the sense of you kind of felt as if that you brought the crowd somewhere and it yeah. was a great atmosphere and the whole thing. So they were, they were very memorable from that point of view. So it's a great venue, like a great sound system. Without a doubt. I, I tell one night we were in the bag of dinner and we were playing I remember Ollie playing this really high-pitched note. Remember that? You know, yeah, like yeah. That, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And, uh, but actually, it wasn't him playing. He was actually being grabbed by the <laughs> by uh, a by person the, who will remain nameless, yeah, who I could yeah, name, right. but I won't. Yeah, <laughs> he'd made he'd made the high notes. Uh, <laughs> I see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Paul Brophy, tell us about the mystery tours, the famed mystery tours of the Mere Mortals, where no one knew where you're going, including you, I think. Well. Yeah, I didn't know really. Um, <laughs> some of them, well, Cheddar obviously probably know. Cheddar, the genius tour, manager. Yeah, yeah, and the mystery tour would last a weekend, and one of them was to the Aran Island, and we filled the bus up in the top square in Port Leach, drove around the top square a couple of times. <laughs> the lads thought we were going to the Heath, but we told them to bring overnight stuff anyway. You know, like they knew it was a weekend, and we subsidised it as well, and we ended up in. The Aran Island. <laughs> and we had a massive weekend down there. We stayed in a hostel and this the American bar, yeah. I don't know if it's still there. That's where we played outside in the garden. And there was a fancy restaurant across the road. Um I can't remember the name of that place. But we were playing on the lawn outside and we were blasting out very loud. So the owner of this restaurant kinda irate, you know, that our customers yeah. were leaving because they couldn't enjoy their meals their chowder and whatever yeah. else yeah. yeah but the guy in the american bar and herself didn't get on so he was telling us don't worry about it but, you know turn up lads turn up <laughs> <laughs> and away you went anyway, and we had a great weekend and the day we were leaving there was a massive fight on the quay between these 
two groups of, I'm not sure, I think they're either corrupt people or they're itinerants. <laughs> it's a huge row. Yeah, yeah, massive. Yeah. Massive row. Implements, pill hooks. Done a whole lot, right? A whole lot. And nothing yeah. got to do with our music. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did she cause this? No. No, no, they just arrived. It was a pre arranged. Meet, you're in the middle of a, of a, of a feud, well, a feuding. One of the lad's girlfriends was a nurse or training to be a nurse. Finton's girlfriend, yeah. I think. And we were hiding behind the lobster pots. <laughs> <laughs> she got up and she said, let me through, I'm a nurse. <laughs> so a mystery tour. One of the unique, you know, these bands travel with an entourage. You actually travel with your fans, really. Yeah, unknown to them. You got in with a whole lot. There's a good story for the mystery tour as well, because um, as they went down, we had a habit of going to islands. Um, but... So when the recession uh, kicked in, um, Pat Critchley, who hasn't turned up here tonight <laughs> for various reasons. <laughs> for legal reasons. So Pat had a good idea that given that the recession, that maybe we might go to Walsh. Sit on island, sit on overseas, lovely stuff. Lovely but we stuff. missed the ferry, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> but moving into kind of the 90s, because I suppose wherever you, you lit up to the whole Midlands, when you formed a Fela. So 1990, performed a Fela. Um, what was that experience like, Paul? What was that as a, as a, as a vocal front man going out into Central Stadium in front of thousands and thousands of fans? Half yeah. of Leach was there, I'm sure. That must have been quite something. Yeah, it was fabulous to play Central Stadium because I know not many of us bar Zoom would have had a chance to <laughs> do any solo. To, to, to do, solo, to do yeah. Sample Stadium, you know. But uh, it, it was a brilliant occasion. And uh, while we did play early on in the gig, as in early on in the day, there was a good crowd there. We had our own crew, of course, and we had uh, many onlookers. But we also met up with many... You know, uh, artists who were very yeah. big at the time, and Van Morrison uh, was on the bill. The Pogues, Van the Man, oh yeah, he was he he was backstage with no one else. He made sure that everybody else was cleared out before he <laughs> went backstage. You know, but the rest were really good. You know, we had a great time with you know the, the likes of the Saw Doctors and the Stunning and um, the the Pogues were there. Pogues were there, yeah. So you played. What do you mean the first failure? What do Ali would have done? First, 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 yeah, first. Yeah. So you have yeah. Michael Lowry to thank for that as well. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Is the check? Did the check clear? Is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> When Zoom came down, he said, that's a bloody disgrace out there to one of the promoters. That's a bloody disgrace out there. They're making shit of that pitch. <laughs> <laughs> but around this time as well, of course, and this is something probably I wasn't aware of, but you very nearly could have been huge, huge international film stars because the commitments, you auditioned, were asked to audition for yeah. the commitments. Ollie, yeah. what, what happened here? Well, we were playing in the back of the one night and... Um some of these is kind of a bit hazy you now, but um, <laughs> we got a phone call the following day. I think it was Hubbard. Um, That's right, yeah. Christine Hubbard. Christine Hubbard. Ron Hubbard. Ron Hubbard. So they would have been kind of casting agents. Mm. So we thought it was a bit of a laugh now. Yeah, yeah. Someone was taking the prank. But yeah. anyway, so we were told to come down to the waterfront restaurant, I think somewhere down around the... The, the docks area, docks wasn't docks it? Yeah. Anyway, so we went down and the, no one gave us any idea that it was a film or anything. So we went down completely after... You had no idea. Had no idea. I went down and we went into this room and at the time it was Alan Parker was the director. Mm. So we were kind of sitting around having uh, drinks and then they said, okay, you're next to come down. So we say, we're brought down one by one. When we got down into a room, he was sitting there in a chair and then we were to, you know, to uh, talk through this script. And so we didn't tell us what on a Dublin extra, didn't tell us that. Yeah, so yeah. we just kind of talked through it. We're still kind of hung over from the previous yeah, night. Yeah. So and then they asked us to play. I think we had to play there for a while, for half an hour. And anyway, we didn't, we didn't get it, but... <laughs> so I think it was uh, just Glenn Hansard from Glenn Hansard the frames so at the time yeah. were all queuing up so it was a big massive so the funny thing was that they were all queuing up but we bypassed them all because <laughs> they wasn't thought we had potential <laughs> well you, su- you soon showed them yeah, yeah. 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 fairly quickly showed them but I just I mean ha- yeah. can you imagine if uh, the gig if that had given you a bit of forewarning you could have been uh, on different stratospheres yeah. all yeah. Yeah. Dublin accent 
a lot of people a lot of people are going to ask as well who obviously know Pat Critchie what did Pat play in the band and there's a little bit of a did Pat play in the band was he always heard where was he plugged in sometimes lads tell us now what to... I suppose he's a bit of technical questions now. <laughs> Pat is very kind of. Uh, he was an accordion player, first. An accordion player. See, Pat played in the Portage accordion in band for mm. his like since childhood, like you know. So you kind of know the first key and the and, and the bass buttons on it, which is kind of very interesting, very good for the band. But and then he played guitar as well. But the guitar was kind of uh, plugged into the radiator, and, and so oftentimes the acoustics wouldn't be the best. So you might be hearing too much. <laughs> so Christian was plugged into a radiator essentially yeah. for a lot of his gigs. Yeah. He was, well, he he was, was heating the audience. He was big into maracas. And yeah, like, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Very like Pat was, Pat was brilliant in the band because yeah. he, uh, he was a brilliant performer and. Uh, as and you were saying, one of these guys that maybe wouldn't always make rehearsals, but when when the mic was on. Yeah, there's always some magic from Pat kind of like yeah. But, but I suppose Pat Pat's forte, I think his big strength was his writing ability. Yes, of you course. Know, as yeah. you know, he has yeah. the book. Yeah. But, yeah. but he, you know, he was tremendous for lyrics yeah. and uh, coming up with good lines. You know, because he liked to write your own stuff. He must have like traveling yeah. on was yeah, a big hit. Number eleven, Paul was yeah. 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 So he, yeah. like, and that's probably different in itself. Now a lot of bands would have obviously did some covers as well, but you were pretty much. 80% your set was probably yeah, your own stuff. Twas, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twas, yeah. And was that a conscious decision that you wanted to do your own yeah. stuff? Or? Twas, we couldn't, yeah. we weren't able to <laughs> learn the covers. <laughs> 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 I thought it was some artistic one. No, the, the idea yeah. was no one would know if you were going wrong. <laughs> then, <so. laughs> but travelling on, that like that's video still doing rounds. Can yeah, you remember yeah. filming that? Yeah. Tell us about the, the filming yeah. of uh, travelling on. That, Cheddar was responsible for that as well. And it, it was a really kind of a biggish production of a video. We had a lot of people involved and we had horse-drawn carriages up the Wicklow Mountains. Mm. And children, right. and children of our own, which were involved. My kids were involved. They're and still in the video. They're immortalised in the they are, yeah, yeah, which is nice for that. You know? Did it get paid? Did it? The actual video actually is interesting as well because at the time... It's funny how things come about, but they were filming The Field. All oh, right, okay, Richard Harris, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there was a, some Conroy chap that's, I think, now living John in the cloud, John Conroy, that for some reason knows some of us or knows someone that was in the band. And he said, sure, um, the equipment is available after finishing off The Field if you want to right. do a video. So we actually, they, they, so like it's kind of a cinematography. Oh, would be, uh, yeah. Um, so we actually used all the big kind of uh, film cameras and everything to do this. This Oscar-winning movie was yeah, yeah, was yeah, was yeah. used on so the. So that's so the quality on it. Like I think is really good. It is good. Yeah. Some of the ones you see up on YouTube now, I think um, there's a bit of a problem. With yeah. Transformed from tape yeah, to, to yeah. YouTube, but yeah, it was, so it was so well shot. It was well shot, wasn't it? You know, it was a good storyline. It was actually well shot. Like the rest of the band, it was well shot. Yeah, it was well shot. Yeah, yeah. well shot. And you have a habit of borrowing stuff. So you borrowed an Oscar-winning cameras, but you also borrowed a Waterboy's equipment along along way, Paul, as well. Did you if, did you use the Waterboy's yeah, yeah. sound equipment? Was it was it cracking a, a note with a hammer? You'd huge, uh, you'd yeah. huge productions quality. You can't win them over with the plane, like you can win them over with the sound system. <laughs> yeah, I, I, is that the theory? I remember for for the traveling on, we we borrowed lots of well, not lots. We borrowed some things from Jim uh, down in the country Jim's kitchen. Country God kitchen, be good to him, yeah. you know. But uh, do you remember that he had yeah. old washboards and things that we wanted yeah. to make it look authentic, you know? And Jim was very generous, uh, you know, uh, uh, to do that, you know. But uh, well, I think there was a feeling that you were. Uh, kind of the band of the area and everyone kind of you know wanted to do well you know well, there was always that particular reason around Port Leach like people were very Malcolm Smith was another guy from yeah. Port Leach you know, yeah. he, was, he was just so generous with his time and with his Wanted advice well. and with his equipment like he'd throw you out stuff there and you know and, that, and it was expensive stuff yeah. you know, that we couldn't afford and he was so generous 
Malcolm was really good. Malcolm was fantastic, yeah. Yeah. And actually, um, but again, like, there's lots of other bands around at the time. Yeah. So like, like it was. I suppose it wasn't that much else to do. If you know what I mean. It was a band time. We were saying earlier it was kind of a time pe- people went to see bands, good, yeah. bad, or indifferent. They yeah, yeah, wanted yeah. to get out of the house, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was reasonable enough kind of venues. To yeah. In, so it was. St- tell us actually about the, some of the venues. The Hires, you're talking the Montague, the Hazel, from Vela to the Point, and Paul, of course, you're the, the right, situation. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know what, what happened you, in the Point? You, well, you mentioned there earlier about, uh, um, you know, uh, doing gigs like that. I suppose we, we, we used to hire out lots of equipment, and we used to hire s- uh, smoke machines and sound <laughs> equipment. And sure, of course, we never made any money out of it. Like, you know, and just uh, Ollie was talking here before uh, uh, the interview, I suppose, and we were saying that all we got out of how many years five or six years in the band was 100 euro but, but <laughs> all together like that was it you know. I had to be split yeah, yeah. but um, you're still waiting you never know those riders yeah, could come yeah, in at any, yeah. at any point yeah. but it was an exciting like it was a time for bands at that time absolutely you know? yeah, I, I, I remember we played a, a gig one night um, like you said we did play the Harriers and that was a big venue yeah. uh, on, on Saturday night I remember we played a, a place called um, uh, I can't think of the name of it now, but it was in Ballinasloe. Right. And uh, we we arrived down there early, as we normally do, around four or five o'clock, or f- maybe a little bit later. And uh, we sat inside in the pub and we just had a look around and we saw there was a few people there and they were actually at a wake. It was uh, at the end of a funeral, you know. So Good the start guy, for a, a music. Uh, it was, yeah. it was. But the barman in fairness to me said, listen, he says, can you hang on? Don't set up because this gang will probably move on yeah. soon. But it they didn't move on, you know. So by eight or nine o'clock, Ollie was getting a bit restless as he normally does before the gig <laughs> and uh, Ollie went up to your man the barman and says um, you know is there any way we can start setting up so he said yeah yeah I'll move so he moved on the crowd and uh, we set up and we were in the middle of the gig and I remember uh, one guy kept coming up to me and asking me uh, will you play Summertime Summertime okay and, you know that was uh, you know he, he, and I said no I'm afraid we don't do that you know and I went on into the next song and at the end of the night what was the name of our song Les? Uh, the Safe Cross Code we used to do <laughs> at the end of every gig and uh, you might remember the safe cross yeah. code from all yeah, those years Yeah, they did kind ago. of a party piece. Used we to did, play, we yeah. did. Yeah, we used to. I'd be smiling and laughing and trying <laughs> to get the people going. But this this night, for some reason, the people weren't biting. You know, they were. They just weren't smiling back. And uh, so your man comes up to me and says, "You know, Jesus, what in the name of God were you doing?" He was saying. Uh, you had the audacity not to play uh, uh, Summertime and then of course you went on and played that safe cross code did you not know Tommy was killed crossing the road here last <laughs> Tuesday night <laughs> so the wake you were at yeah. the, uh, the poor man had uh, yeah, died yeah, crossing the road yeah. you were there playing it wasn't good yeah. he got out of there quickly <laughs> we sure did Stephen yeah. packed up there quickly you got out. Out of, yeah. Yeah, very good yeah. uh, the po- a seminal moment seems to have happened I think and probably it's indicative of the band in Tony Fenton's house uh, of course, the fame uh, sadly passed t- uh, to the today FM DJ. Of course, yeah. he was high in two FM at the time, yeah. and the boys you were invited not just turn up, you were invited to play. But Ollie, it didn't go according to plan. Yeah, well, you see, um, it's like lots of these things. Um, <laughs> there was lots of executive decisions. To yeah. These things, you know, so you're at his birthday. It was his birthday, was it? Yeah. So he, he was kind of popular at, at the time, and uh, he asked us to play at his I think 40th birthday birthday party. And, <laughs> Thirtieth, thirtieth, yeah. It was probably two yeah. FM at the time, and yeah, Mister Mister DJ really well, was one yeah, of the biggest was, in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, just stunning. We're playing there. I think an emotional fish and someone else. And anyway. so we, we, so when we went in, uh, we were told that there was a free bar for the night. So Cheddar, our manager, called us out anyway, and so we had a choice to avail of the free bar or to kind of further our careers in the music business. <laughs> the two cho- there's two roads you'd yeah. go down, lads. So yeah. anyway, we took the first decision. That <laughs> that maybe our career might. <laughs> Uh, and so the performance afterwards actually kind of you know reflected the fact that we were 14 tequilas 
and drumming in particular that night, I believe, yeah, for, well, yeah, for your poor was, drummer. Yeah, well, see, there was kind of, uh, the, the kind of facilities were kind of lacking. <laughs> yeah. so our, our esteemed vocalist over here kind of, you know, used the snare drum for, yes. you know, to uh, uh, relieve himself. Like, and, ah, and then dear. our poor drummer, when he took off with the, the snare, he kind of got kind of a, <laughs> a shower. shower, shower <laughs> <to start laughs> So it kind of went it went uphill or downhill from there. I don't yeah, know really, yeah. but the point as well. You had an interesting night in around the point as well, Paul. You were uh, yeah, you nearly got killed in the point. Yeah, we, we nearly did. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, health and safety obviously wasn't yeah, a, was a, a thing at the time, you know. But we were uh, we were there anyway. We were jumping up and down the stage. I think during one of the songs, I think it was Teenage Kicks. We were doing that night. Class, a classic at, from the undertones. Yeah, that's right. And at at the start. Uh, there's a little bit of a, a a drum where the drum comes in heavy at the very start, and we were all meant to jump up and and land on the on the stage. And of course, I think it was myself and Pat, Zoom. Zoom. Yeah, yeah. We happened to be in the middle, you know, where the stage was at its weakest. <laughs> so we we fell through and with our heads not to be seen. But just we got, I got my head back up in time for the first songs of it. A teenage kick is <laughs> <was> hard. <laughs> so I was just in time. <laughs> so you could all you basically see was a head singing this song. The show yeah. went on. Yeah. The show. Pat, Pat kept playing the <laughs> right, never lost a beat. Pat kept her, kept her lit. And I believe they were very impressed with you at the end That's of the night. Too, man, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a few dubs come up at the time. So that the accordion player is that the late in June. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom, by the way, the name Zoom comes from the fact that he was always late, isn't that it? Pretty yeah, he was, uh, he was in in, in Tolman College, uh, P, and of course, Zoom was notoriously late for lectures mm. and, 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 and whatever was going on. He'd always arrive in maybe 15 or 20 minutes late, so he, a few of the funny guys down there uh, decided, let's call him Zoom, and Zoom. he didn't go by anything else yeah. ever since. We're still, we're still waiting for him here yeah. at the moment. <laughs> but albums, like you recorded, you had albums on TV now, of course, he appeared on the beatbox a lot of the times as well, um, would have been Simon Young and, and, and probably Dave Fanning at the time, so... I mean, there was a point where this probably seemed like this could go somewhere. So I suppose a lot of you listening would have went to gigs. Like, you were quite close to kind of going, let's give this good old rap here. Yeah, I suppose in fairness, even though like we kind of portrayed uh, the funny sides, we were we were a very good band. We were a series yeah, of yeah. And I suppose there was times when we kind of did think that we could go somewhere because, you know, we were putting a lot of effort mm. into it. And, you know, well, uh, Matty Fox, who's very well known in the industry as Chrissy Moore's manager, doesn't mess around. And he was very, very interested in, in, in progressing yeah, with yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, so he was. And then we met him a few times. And then I suppose they came to a crossroads where he wanted us to go more serious because we all kind of had day jobs. Yeah. And he wanted us to go more serious. So we had a number of meetings with him around that decision. And um, so... I suppose it's easy enough for some of us because I wasn't married at the time with no commitments, but others had. So it's kind of, you know, it's grand to say we could have been giving up our day jobs and gone off in the back of a van touring around the UK and we could be still touring around there. <laughs> <laughs> Going from Walsh Island to, Walsh Island, to uh, the UK yeah, Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, so it seems grand at the time and like, you know, it, it, it was nice to do and it would have been, you know. Mm. So, um, but um, um, I suppose like everything else, I'd be, it's funny, I've been talking to a few bands that have come into the studio here since. Mm. Like there's bands from Kilkenny, like My Little Funhouse and different bands that that got signed up by major record labels, went, you know, uh, supporting mm. um, Guns N' Roses around it. And, and when Guns N' Roses were flying at the gigs, they were getting like in a high ass fan and they were yeah. from one yeah. state to the next. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of, it can seem glamorous, but you know, when you're going to go through that kind of piece, it's not the most kind of glamorous. It's, it's a tough one. It's, well. it's, it's tough to make it. You know, yeah. There's a f- and like, I suppose traveling around as well as four lads, it can get, get testing yeah, and trying yeah, at yeah, times yeah, yeah, like yeah. in any band yeah. but first we always got on it was never yeah. Like yeah, yeah. yeah no we were six we were six of course six yeah pieces. we had the six the, the full lot it was seven, seven. Cheddar was always yeah. Cheddar's effectively a member of the band so yeah, yeah six seven of you probably going around yeah. the I remember we went up to RTE for an interview one day and we arrived in with the seven of us <laughs> and there was a, a, an entourage as well and Leash crew up yeah a, yeah I don't know who it was yeah. families and friends yeah, and yeah. all that into RTE and uh, 
your man who was interviewing said, oh, I thought it was earth, wind and fire coming. <laughs> <laughs> would, you, would you ever kind of, uh, I suppose, Paul, you went on your PE teacher in Tullamore as Pat as a teacher. Paul, you're a session musician. Ollie, obviously, you run the gig here. You're a professional, <laughs> professional session musician here. Good, good. <laughs> gun, gun for hire. But, but, we'll, we'll call you that for now because uh, the mere Martins. Go with session musician. <laughs> we can give you president if you want. Everyone wants to. Yeah, we can do be what you want. They're not like, listening at work. Anyway. Uh, Regular business. Yeah, yeah, we'll do we'll do the whole. I'm Nolly. Of course, you run the, the fantastic Goldie Egg Studios. But do you ever individually kind of think, Jay Mac, what if we just kept going and what if we could have been the Water Boys or something like that? You know, does it does it crop uh, up in your head? We've taken so much commitment, and we were at an age where we were kind of settling down. You yeah. Know? it would have been too big of a jump for all of us and then yeah. with sports and stuff and we didn't want you know if we had to have gone that road the lads would have had to leave the band who were into sports like yeah. Zoom and Paul had to Des coaching and, yeah. Yeah. Des, Des course had loads yeah. and this at that stage said to us at a meeting over in the Pathé Hotel That's they said um, listen lads we're going to leave we'll be holding you back you go on and we said no because it just wouldn't be the same crack without them. So yeah, we were, it was, it was uh, more crack for us, and whatever we made, as Ali said, we put back into it. Yeah, it wasn't a money-making venture, or to get famous venture. It was just a bit of crack along the ways. Yeah, and whatever happened. Along and it was brilliant fun. And I, I must mention as well, a lot of bands take pride in opening hotels. Well, lads, you closed a fairly big one there, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we were the last band to play the Hazel Hotel. <laughs> No, it wasn't so down to either we close now we must we must put on record yeah would you play some I, I think we did a, I remember doing a sound check for that gig and um, I only heard afterwards uh, Jimmy Kelly uh, was the manager of the hotel Jimmy uh, I think it was uh, uh, left us and but uh, Jimmy um, was outside and uh, he saw the, the gutters and everything rattling yes. as the sound check was going on you know so he was saying, uh, tell those lads to turn down. But of course, they couldn't. we weren't able to turn down because Dick was so loud. We had to turn up everything else, you know. It was 11. Bob yeah. Geldof as well. Played a Bob Geldof, I meant to mention earlier. Mm. Just about that. Yeah, uh, we got, we got, uh, there's a gig in Paolo Fuca um, where Bob Geldof, he was with the Vegetarians of Love, I think, at the time when the Stunning and Good Few Acts were, were playing. So we were on the bill and um, it, was, it was the most interesting gig um, I think we, we had, can remember, because... Uh, it was like playing an Auschwitz in the sense that <laughs> they thought it was going to be about, it was after Fela and they had a build as if there was going to be about 70,000 people. Right, right. So you were kind of playing, say, on the stage and there was a barbed wire fence that was about 20, maybe, yards away from you and then the crowd were way out there. They were thinking there was going to be, you know, so. But on the day, I suppose, about 20,000 people turned up. So the promoters and everything lost a lot of money because they're expecting to make a lot, Huge of, a lot of money out. You know? yeah. so, so afterwards then, when we, went, when we went back into the backstage area where all the bands were, it got a bit kind of acrimonious because some of the bigger acts were looking for money and everything, you know. And then the, there was a drugs raid where uh, the, 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 <laughs> <laughs> there was a few people that won't mention that. Were kind of, we're, we're Under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were sitting down having a meal in, yeah. the, in the dining room. Special, special branch came in, yeah. The crowd, oh, dear. Yeah. And the next thing, Smiley Bulger and the crowd are over at this time. BP Fallon was BP there, wasn't Fallon. it? The next thing, these boys, the undercover boys, jumped up and started jumping across tables. <laughs> you were involved in a major sting operation. Oh dear, uh, lads. We, we got a few microphones. <laughs> <laughs> Cheddar, Cheddar seems to be a, a great manager for getting stuff out of, out, 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 getting stuff out of stuff. Rose and Tralee as well. You can't be an Irish band of note without playing the Rose and Tralee, which yeah, you did. Yeah. Interesting times. Yeah, we 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 played once, and uh, when we started off, um, the first gig I think down there, um, 
Uh, this looks like as if they were all alcoholics at the time. <laughs> but I remember uh, we went looking for Dick because we were playing on the main street, in a way. Right. And so Cheddar being the one that kind of kept us all together because we were trying to be doing everything. And yeah. Cheddar would say we're playing at six o'clock. We went looking, we kind of rounded up the rest of us anyway, but we couldn't find Dick. Um, so anyway, he went around the town and a few others looking for Dick. And we found Dick anyway outside the priest's house. Platic now, lying down on the ground, absolutely kind of stuff. Cheddar got Dick up now. Dick, Dick could be kind of big enough. Yeah, yeah. Cheddar got him up on his shoulders and brought him down <laughs> to the main square. And fuck Dick, still throw Dick in. And after about four or five kind of times, eventually he came through. So anyway, there was a massive oh. crowd out there. We thought they were all for us. <laughs> but it turns out that that was the part for the crowd just to wait to view the rows of trees. Oh, it was the parade, yeah. That was a massive crowd for us. <laughs> Your percussionist had concussion, as it turns <laughs> out, indeed. Um. I suppose a lot of people, again, listening to this will go, can we expect? Because the band, much like the Dubliners, never really finished. We reckon we were 30 years in the go. You never really finished as a band. You're still technically a band. It is like, as I was saying earlier, an open marriage. You might be seeing other people, but you're technically still wed. <laughs> uh, what's the story on a, on a comeback or a possible... Because you've done... You've, You've stuck your toe, little toe, and bits and bobs of things as a collective again recently. So the only one problem is to see that um, some of the boys took the pension, the early pension. <laughs> <laughs> so we, see, I think we, yeah. we kind of start up again the rest of the You'll be underhand, <laughs> yeah. You want to be above board. <laughs> yeah. Good retirement, <laughs> good pension, lads, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it is, yeah. it is comfortable, good, yeah. comfortable. But would you, I mean, there's going to be a call for this. I know now when people listen to this, uh, I'm sure at least they'll get behind it anyway. Um, would, you, would you look at doing something again? I'd say we're just talking about it the weekend. I'd say maybe if there was a kind of a good cause, you know, I think we would, yeah, yeah. I think we, we would I'd say mm. collectively we'd be kind of delighted to do it. Because mm. um, I'm sure you miss it at times. I'm sure there's a Saturday night and you kind of wistfully think back, Jesus, back in the day I was in the bag of in, you know, mm. we could do it yeah. again. So long as John Hannafy was our roadie, and John used to come out of the road with us as well. So yeah, that's, that's right, yeah. We wouldn't be able to carry gear at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'd get a few lads. Yeah. 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 Killer would be around as well, wouldn't yeah. 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 I might put an ad on the leash today for a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, lads, it's been very, very interesting talking to you indeed. Um, I know there's loads of fans out there of you and would have seen you back in the day and want to see you again. So I think we'll start a little campaign. Well, it's been a really pleasure talking to you and hopefully we'll see you on the stage again. And to remind ourselves just how great the guys were, let's finish this episode with the Mere Mortals and one of their most recognisable hits, It's Travelling On.
mystery.